Hey, good morning and welcome to church. Uh, if you're new, my name's Brad and I am the lead pastor. Uh, would you remain stand for just a moment? I want to read some scripture to you. Uh, we are right now in the middle of the uh, Lent season and we're doing this series called Revive, looking at seven different resurrection stories from scripture. I believe very strongly that God wants to revive some dead things in your life. He just does. And we need to encourage each other with that. So let's start right now. Just turn to somebody in front of you, behind you, and say, God wants to revive some dead things, okay? In front of you, behind you, God wants to revive some dead things. Man, this is who he is. This is why we gather and why we are here. Uh, during the Lent season, we're in the final week of Lent, 40 days leading up to Easter and seven more to go. Uh, welcome to Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday that we honor Jesus for coming into Jerusalem. Nobody knew why he was coming. Nobody knew what he was coming. They thought he was coming for an earthly kingdom, but we know he was coming for a heavenly kingdom. He was headed to a brutal cross and a brutal death, but he was headed for a resurrection. And that's why I can say with authority and confidence that your resurrection is coming. God is going to revive those dead things. In fact, this week, I want to encourage you in the final week of Lent, if you've not fasted or prayed uh, during the season, take some time to fast and pray. We have a devotional guide online. We have a Good Friday service. So this Friday, 6 o'clock, right here in this auditorium, uh, we will have child care for five and under. So it's an incredible service that we do. Very holy moment and day for us as Christians as we honor Jesus for his death. We stop on Friday. Nothing else should matter on Friday. But the fact that we would come and we would honor him for laying down his life for us. So I hope you'll be here on, on Friday for that. So today, uh, Acts chapter 20 is where I want to be. We've been looking at these resurrection stories. Uh, we got number six, and next week, you can probably guess which one we're going to hit next week. It's going to be a good one. It's a good one. It's a cliffhanger. You'll have to be here next Sunday to see which one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but today, Acts chapter 20, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, on your mobile device, just go to corechurch.com or go uh, to your app store download what's called version, great version of the Bible. I read out of the New Living Translation. If you're new to church, um, Acts is written by this guy named Luke, and Luke was a companion of the Apostle Paul. He was a preacher who started churches all over the world, and Luke followed him around, was his companion and helper, and so he saw Paul do amazing, amazing things, and this is one of these amazing moments that he records for us, and it begins in verse 7 of chapter 20. It says, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. How awesome is that? It's the first day. We have been doing this for 2,000 years, and we are still rocking. Five people embrace that. What else do you know that's been going for 2,000 years and still rocking? The church still gathering every Sunday. Like... How awesome is this? The church has not missed a Sunday in 2,000 years. We never skipped one. We never went and forgot one. Oh, whoops. Oh, oh, maybe you have or maybe I have, but the church hasn't. It's been missed. It's amazing. Amazing. So as Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. And y'all need to be thanking me right now up in here. Come on. That's where you need to go. Oh, pastor, we love you. I ain't going to keep you that long, just till 11.30. All right, p.m. The upstairs, the upstairs room where they met was 
lighted with many flickering lamps. And as Paul, I like this, this is, this is funny. As Paul spoke on and on. This is, this is Luke's subtle jab at Paul. I love scripture. It's so real. Luke's like, dude, I have heard this guy preach before. He can go on and on. Some of y'all can, you can go, we can relate, Pastor Brad. We can relate. So a young man named Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill and he became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and he, he dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down though and he bent over him and he took him into his arms. He said, don't worry, he's alive. And they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper. They ate together and Paul continued talking to them until dawn. And then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt and everyone was greatly relieved. Today, I want to talk to you about reviving your soul. Reviving your soul. Let's pray. God, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this gift called the local church. Here we gather with believers all across the world as we have done every Sunday for 2,000 years to proclaim the goodness of your name. And here we are on Palm Sunday cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Church, let's just pray right now for one another. You might know the people around you, you might not, but we need to pray for each other that God would speak to us. He has a word for each of us. Pray also that God would speak to your soul. He has something he wants to speak to you. Then pray for me as your pastor that I'd be faithful uh, to this text, faithful to what the Holy Spirit's trying to get said to us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Before you're seated, I want you to turn, find three people. I just want you to tell them before you're seated, say, get ready to be revived. Get ready to be revived. Well, Laura and I uh, have been married for a long time. We have four kids, and when we were newly married, our oldest son, Stephen, he was a year and a half old. And we lived in the thriving metropolis of Ponca City, Oklahoma. Big city, people. Uh, I was getting my radio career started at the time, and I was working for a local radio station there. And we lived in this little small uh, apartment, Humble Beginnings. Anybody feel me on that? Humble Beginnings. And we had this apartment we lived in uh, on the upstairs, we lived in the upstairs apartment. And uh, it was a a day much like the last few days we've been having, beautiful weather. Stephen was about a year and a half old. I was at the radio station working that morning, and Laura was at home with him. And he was playing in his room. And it says, because it was a beautiful day, uh, she had the the windows all open. And the window that in our apartment was a little different than this one, it went um, floor to ceiling, and she had the window open. And she was in the other room, she was getting ready. And then she just had this um, intuition. You mamas, you got this intuition. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you just know something ain't right. Something ain't right. My baby ain't doing something right now. Come on, every mama's got it. Even, even whether they're two or they're 22, you just know what you've been doing, okay? Because the Holy Spirit, I, I believe God just does that. He just, he just tells you ladies, us dads, we're like, huh? You know, Holy Spirit talks to us. We don't get it. Finally, he talks to you mamas. We're like, oh, okay. And we finally get it and get on board. But you mamas, you got it. You just got this intuition within you. And she felt like something wasn't right. And so she went into his room to check on him to see what he was doing. And when she looked into uh, the bedroom, he wasn't there. 
And she began to look around, and when she looked around, she looked over at the window, and the window which was open, the screen was popped out. And he had fallen two stories below. And in that moment, every mom and any parent can imagine the, the, the trauma and the, the uh, overwhelming uh, feeling in that moment for Laura as she bolted out of that apartment, ran down those stairs to see her baby laying there in a flower bed, throwing up and, and almost motionless as she doesn't know what to do. And she just reaches down and she just picks him up and she's distraught and she's uh, just traumatized by this entire event. And he's awake, and, but, but he's, he's throwing up and he just doesn't look himself. And so she, this is back in the day before there were cell phones. Uh, we didn't even have a home phone at, at this time. There was just a, a pay phone at the clubhouse. And so she took him and she ran as quickly as she could to the clubhouse. And, and she uh, dialed the operator and said, this is an emergency. And she asked to be put through to the radio station where I was working. And they put her through to this hotline that gets, gets you immediately into uh, the radio station. And I wasn't on the air at that time. I was in another office. And one of the guys on air answered the phone and he came in and he said, Brad, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on right now, but there's this lady and she's on the phone and she is frantic. She is screaming. Something is very, very wrong. And all she's saying is your name. You need to come and figure out what's going on. And so I ran into the studio and and sure enough, I hear this woman and she's screaming out of control and I can't understand what she's saying. All I hear her say is... Uh, Stephen has fallen out of the window. And in that moment, I, um, man, I just adrenaline kicked in and I bolted for my car and got in the vehicle. To, and we were living in Ponca City, so it wasn't very far at all to the apartment. And I, I drove as quickly as I could, um, which is an overstatement because we owned a Ford Escort. Um, so it's more, <laughs> it more like, I'm coming, baby, I'm coming. Little old blue escort, that thing, man. <laughs> I get to the apartment and, and, and she's there and she's Stephen's awake and she's just distraught and, and we know we can get to the hospital quicker than the ambulance can get there because we're in this little tiny town. And, and so I, I put him in, into the car and as I'm driving to the hospital, I mean, I, this is awesome. This is like one of these moments, oh yeah, I'm going to, flashers are on. I'm like, woo woo. <laughs> just was not how I had planned it. Uh, and so we're on our way, and, and Stephen is just, he seems to be okay. It's Laura that has been, is just freaking out, which is understandable. And so she's screaming, my baby! And he's looking at her, and when she would say that, he'd be like, take Laura! And so they're, they're having this moment. We get to the hospital, and we rush into the emergency room, and they, they check him out. And miraculously, not a broken bone, not a scar, nothing wrong with him at all. Unbelievable. And so we went home and um, I put, we put uh, Stephen to bed in his crib so he could take a nap. And then I, and I put Laura to bed so she could take a nap. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, there's, there's these times in our lives as followers of Jesus where our our passion for God wanes. Where we once had this great fire and this hunger for God, suddenly the, the fire is just 
not there. And when, it, when it's not there, we, we begin to drift towards the window. Like we don't know exactly what's wrong, and we don't know why the, the, the passion is not there. And so we start looking out the window. We start looking at other places and other, other things that might reignite that passion. And instead of pressing in to God and the things of God, we slowly begin to drift. Like we can be in the house of God right now and still be looking out the window, trying to figure out what's wrong. Jesus talked about this. He, he warned us about this. Uh, he warned us about what I would call soul drift. He warned us about looking out the window. He, he said this in, in Mark 8, verse 36. We'll put it on the screen. These are the words of Jesus. And he said this, what, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? What, what, do, you, what do you benefit if you, if you look out the window and you go after what's out there instead of pressing into me? You lose your soul. So the question I want to ask today is this: Are you, are you too close to the window? I want to have kind of an intimate conversation with those of us that are followers of Jesus, and I recognize in this room that some of you today you're not followers of Jesus, and I hope that today you can just sit, listen in on a little conversation that we're we're going to have together, and. I want you to hear a little bit. Of, this is what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. But for those of us that are, are followers of Jesus, there are what I believe are three stages to soul drift. Three, three stages that cause our soul to drift towards the window. And we see them here in the story of Eutychus, this young man. And the first stage of soul drift is this. If you want to write this down, you can. The first stage is sitting next to the window. Sit next to the window. Acts 20 and verse 9. Look at the first part of this. It says, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very, very drowsy. Now, this is understandable, though. I mean, you got to give this kid a break. I mean, Paul, Paul's preaching here till midnight. So he's preaching for like five hours, Okay. Some of y'all, I, I, I get five minutes into my message, and you're like, boom, out go the lights, okay? This is five. This is five. I woke some of you up with that. What do you say? Uh, this is five hours. My goodness. Let me, let, have you ever, you ever fallen asleep in church? Come on, you ever fallen asleep in church? That's embarrassing. I mean, it's cute when you're a kid, is it not? Like, like uh, Zeke, Zeke is here. Zeke is here sitting here with his daddy, and, and Zeke, Zeke, four, he's four, right? Five, he's five, you're five now? You're getting all grown up, buddy. He's getting all grown up. He's not feeling well, so you're in service today. But, you know, like, if, Zeke, if you want, you have my full permission to lay your head down on your daddy's lap and go out, go the lights, buddy, okay? Just enjoy it. Anybody remember that when you were a kid laying on your mama's lap or your daddy? I remember Sunday night church, man, my mom would be stroking my hair like this. It'd just be, ah, oh, it'd just be so, I love, love that, okay? It's cute when you're a kid, right? But let me tell you this, James, it ain't cute when you're a grown man, all right? You lay your, yeah, that ain't cute. She's like, get, get off, get off right now. Yeah, but it's, it's cute when you're a kid. Well, listen, as our lives go on and on, like the scripture says here, as it goes on and on spiritually, 
our, our souls can be in danger of becoming drowsy. Like, I, I love meeting people in Starting Point. After the service today, if you're new, we do something called Starting Point. And when you head out towards the main doors, you'll see a sign. It's the room right next to the main entrance. Man, Laura and I will be in there. We love meeting you if you're new. Uh, our, some of our staff will be there. If you brought somebody with you, bring them back. Bring them back. Because it's, it's, it's probably one of my favorite things on a Sunday to do. Because when we meet new people or we meet people who have made a, a new commitment to follow Jesus, their passion and their excitement for the church is like nothing I've ever seen. I love it. I just met somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago. And this lady, she came back and she's got tears running down her face. And she said, I just wanted to come in here. I just wanted to tell you I love this church. I love what it's done in my life. I, I've only been coming like a month, but every Sunday you're speaking to me. And she's like, apologize. I'm sorry. I'm crying. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, this is good. Like, nobody ever cries in service. Nobody ever. I mean, I'm looking at your faces right now. I mean, I need this passion. Please pick me up a little bit. And so it's just for me. But so I, but I'm talking to her and, and the passion that she has. And she says, every week God is speaking into my life. And we hear story after story of that, people who made a commitment to follow Jesus, and they're like, man, this is insane What's, what God is doing, the way he's, he's speaking to me. But as our lives go on and on spiritually, we, we can be in danger of becoming drowsy. And, and if we're not careful, our, our souls begin to drift towards the windowsill. You know what happens? Our souls kind of lose that new car smell. Like we, we, we used to get excited, you know, be here early, grab a seat, can't wait for worship. Man, I'm, this is awesome. You're like excited. And then you're like, and then as time goes on, you're like, you've been there, done that. And you're out in the lobby and you're like, oh, you know, that's like one song. They got like seven more. Okay. I'm good. I'll just, I'll catch one of them. I know I'll catch one of them. I'll get in there, you know? And then Remember, you, remember when you started serving for the first time? I'm going to talk to some of you. Remember when you started serving for the first time? Remember how excited you were about serving? Like you got, so, you got amped up about serving coffee. Do you remember that? Like, I get to serve coffee. God's letting me serve coffee. So I get to serve his house. This is incredible. And people like, I get to greet. I, and you, you thought, man, I, people are coming through the doors. And, I, and you, you were so fresh in your faith, so new in your faith, that you were like, I remember when I came through the door for the first time. I remember how discouraged I was. I remember when somebody shook my hand and they were so excited to see me. And you're like, man, I get to shake someone's hand. Some, some of you work in our kids' ministry. How many, how many of you work in the kids' ministry? Raise your hand, your kids' ministers. Man, do you remember when you first started serving in kids? And you just, you just thought, I get to tell kids about the love of Jesus. Like, I get to introduce them to their Savior. And you're just like all excited, but as time goes on and on, it's just like, oh, oh, I, oh man, this is the Sunday I'm on. Oh. <laughs> you're back in the kids' ministry, and you're like, oh, I love when Zeke's back there. He's so cute, but that one kid, when he comes, oh, Lord Jesus. Come now, come quickly, Lord. <laughs> and you just lose that, that passion. You lose that, that, that desire. And so Eutychus, he was, he was getting tired. He was getting tired, and so he went and he sat 
next to the window. And when he was tired, he shouldn't have sat next to the window. He should have moved away from the window. So when your soul gets drowsy, move away from the window. Okay, Come on, let's encourage one another. Turn to somebody, three people right now, say, move away from the window. Move away from the window. Because the second stage of soul drift is when we start looking out the window. We sit next to the window, and then we start looking out the window. Remember being a little kid and growing up, going to school, and being bored stiff. Anybody remember those days? Like, apologies to the teachers. I mean, it's different now. I, it's different now, Shawnee. You're an amazing teacher. Josh, you're an amazing teacher. They're just doing, doing new things. But back in the day, teachers were not quite as equipped as you two. That's all I'm saying, okay? So no disrespect. I love you guys. Not bashing on teachers. But, so you, but do you remember that being a kid? You'd just be sitting in class. You're like, I'm so bored. <laughs> uh, remember they had windows. Do you remember that? Back in the day, you could look out the window and you'd just be like, some of y'all don't even, they had windows. When did they have, they had, it's our fault, kids. There's the reason why there aren't windows anymore. Because <laughs> we look at, do you remember looking out the window and you'd just be like, start daydreaming about, I wonder what's going on out there. Must be amazing out there. Because it's not happening in here. This is what can happen to us as followers of Jesus. Man, when our, when our, when our soul gets, gets drowsy, we can become complacent. And when we become complacent, oh man, when we become complacent, we become critical. We become critical. Here's how you know that you're looking out the window because you start to become complacent and you start to become critical. You start to say things like this. Oh, they're doing that song again? Oh, my goodness. How many more times? Good, good, Father. Good, 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 good grief. How many more times? Oh, I do not like that song. Oh, my good. Oh, are they going to turn the lights off? I cannot worship with the lights on. I can't worship with the lights on because everyone's staring at me. But some of y'all are like, oh, they got the lights off again. Oh, I can't see anything when I'm in, 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 with, these, with these lights off. I can't see anything. In fact, I actually, I, 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 I touched someone accidentally. I didn't mean to touch you. I didn't know. Lights were off. Sorry. And you, just, you know, like, you just start getting critical. Why do they put ropes up? Why do they put those yellow ropes up every week? I'm serious. I, I mean, you just get so, you just start getting critical of every, you know, you're like, you know, Brad's just not as funny today. It's just not as funny. I don't know what's going on. He's usually a lot funnier, but he's just not got it today. Or, or, or I've actually heard this, you know, oh, he's too funny. He's just like a little comedian up there, isn't he? <laughs> like, if I want a comedian, I'll go see Chris Rock, okay? I don't need to come to church for that. I'm just, you know, he, you know what? He does not use enough scripture. We need more scripture, more scripture. I've actually had somebody say to me before, you know what? You use too much scripture. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that even possible? But what happens is, so we become complacent, we become critical. And then when we become critical, we start looking out the window and we start, what we do is we look out the window at, at other churches. And we look out that window and we're like, oh man, look at their worship. Oh, uh, I, heard, I heard the spirit is really moving over there. Because it's just not deep enough here. 
but it's very deep over there. <laughs> you start looking out. Oh, you know what? Their service is only an hour. <laughs> I want to go there. I want to go there. You know what? Here, it's just not long enough. There, they go for like two and a half hours. That's how you know the Spirit's moving, because they're really going long. <laughs> really. Here's what I want to, when we start looking out the window at other churches, here's what we need to understand. We need to understand this. Listen, where you go, your soul goes. Where you go, your soul goes. So sometimes when our soul gets drowsy, we can even begin to doubt God and, and, and doubt our, our faith. And when we begin to doubt God and, and begin to doubt our faith, we start looking out the window again. But this time, we're, we're not looking out the window at other churches. We begin looking out the window at, at the world. And we begin looking at our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends, and we're like, man, their life doesn't look any different than my life. What, what's going on here? Like, you, you, you come home from church, and you're like, your neighbor's like hanging out at the pool, blasting his classic rock, sweet home Alabama, and he's like holding up a brewski, what's up, Bradley, woo! And you're like, well, he looks like he's having fun. He's, he didn't go to church today. I went to church, and he looks happy, and I, he looks happier than I do. Or, or you, you pull up at the gym. And you look and you see somebody's got a brand new Ford F-150. I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody in particular here. Uh, but if you pull in, you're like you come rolling up and you're 265K, you're like, yeah, that's right. Uh, that, that's not a car maker model. That's 265,000 miles. That's what that is right there, okay? But it sounds cool, doesn't it? You're all like, what's he got? I got a 265K, baby. <laughs> so and you come in, you're like, Man, I, I, I'm laying down my life for the Lord. I'm, I'm serving, I'm giving, I'm doing all of these things. And this person here, they don't, man, I, 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 I know this person. They're jacked up. How do they have that? And I don't. You know what? Why am I, why am I even going to church? Why am I even following God? What's the point? My life doesn't look any different than someone else. And, and we start looking out the window. Listen, when your soul becomes drowsy, don't look out the window. Don't look out the window. Come on, let's encourage one another. Turn to somebody right now and say, don't look out the window. Don't look out the window. Turn to somebody in front of you, behind you, tell them, don't look out the window. Because when you start looking out the window, it leads to the third stage. Once you start looking out the window, the next stage is falling out of the window. Look with me at verse 9 again, the second part of verse 9, it says, finally, he, he fell sound asleep, and he dropped three stories to his death below. So Eutychus, he had, he had positioned himself in, in, in the back of the room. He, he was in, in, in the back of the room, and, and, and nobody noticed he was in danger. Like, if, if he was in the middle of the room, if he was somewhere, nobody saw him, because if somebody had seen him, they would have said, Eutychus, get away from the window. But he had slowly moved to the back of the room where nobody could see him, and he was moved and apart from all of the people, and nobody saw him when he fell. Listen, when our soul gets tired, when our soul gets worn down, we slowly drift to the back of the room. We, we slowly drift away from people. Like we, 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 we come 
a little bit later. We leave a little bit earlier. We, like, you know, this, they're just serving communion. It's just, you know, they just do that little song thing at the end. It's not that big deal. Let's just go. And he said, what's that big a deal? And we, we drift. And then we're like, you know, I, it's, you know, you came every week and you're excited about the things of God. And then you're like, you know, then every week becomes every other week. And then every other week becomes once a month. And then once a month becomes occasionally until you eventually drop out on the church and God. What's interesting in this story is that Eutychus didn't jump to his death. He fell. The scripture tells us that he slowly drifted off to sleep. See, we, we, don't, we don't intentionally jump to our spiritual death. I mean, at least most of us. Some of us might do that. A few people might do that. But none of us really intentionally jump to our spiritual death. We, it, it happens slowly. It's like, it's like when you're driving. You, you know, you're on a long trip. You ever lied to yourself and, and just, you know, said, you know, oh, I'm not tired. I, I'm, I, I, can, I, I can stay awake. And you, you lie to yourself, right? And I, I, can stay, I can stay awake. Your, your spouse is like, you're going to sleep. You're going, no, I'm not. And you're like, you know, I'm just going to close my eyes for three seconds. One, two, oh, Jesus, help me. What just happened there? You know, you, am I the only one who's ever done that? <laughs> you just lie to yourself. And we, we do the same thing. In our relationship with Christ, we do the same thing in the church. We lie to ourselves. You know what? We're just tired. It's been a long week. It's, 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 you know what? Let's, it's not that big a deal. We're just, we're just going to stay home. You know, we, you know I, I, it's my only day off. It's my only day off. You know, I, I just need, need to rest. Or, man, you know, I, I, I got a lot to get. We, I got a lot to get done. I got a lot of stuff that I got to get done. And we start kind of lying to ourselves. I was talking to my niece and her and her husband live in St. Louis and they're involved in a church up there. Uh, their pastor is like the, uh, one of the singers in Phillips, Craig and Dean. How awesome is that? Like he can, he can talk and then he can sing that resurrection song. Oh, I mean, he's just amazing. You know, um, that's not me, obviously. So they go to this church, amazing church. They serve in this church. They love this church. And she was telling me that one time, um, they decided to sleep in. And they were just tired, and they're like, you know, let's just stay home, because they had church online, and it was live. And so she's like, we made breakfast and coffee. We stayed in our PJ pants. She's like, it was awesome. And she said, right in the middle of the church service, she said, it just scared me to death how easy it would be to stay home every week. And, And she understood, and she saw the value of being with God's people being in the house of God. And she saw how dangerous it could be and how quickly we can just drift towards the window. So I want to encourage you today. I want to say this to you today. If, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to those of you that are not a follower of Jesus. You don't have a passion for God and, and you're not in the house of God. You're just physically here today, but you don't have that relationship with God. I want to tell you this, that you are in the right place. You've come to the right place. I want you to look with me at at verse 10. This is for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it said, Paul went down, he bent over him, took him into his arms, and he said, don't worry, he's alive. I love this. Paul didn't go down and do what all of us parents do when our kids do something wrong. What is wrong with you? Why are you sitting? You shouldn't have been sitting 
by that window. I mean, that's what we do as parents. I don't know why we do that, but that's what we do. And your kid is like, you know, bleeding. And you're like, no, you shouldn't have been doing it. What were you thinking? Paul didn't do that. He could have pointed a finger, but he didn't. The scripture says what? That, that he had compassion and mercy on this kid. Like he, he bent down. And it says he took the boy in his arms and lifted him up. This is who we are at Core Church. And this is what we do. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we do not point a finger in condemnation. We do not point out and say, what's wrong with you? You've come to the right place because we are people of compassion and mercy. Because we've received mercy and we bend down. We lift people up. We take them into our arms and because we are a place of hope, of healing, of peace, and purpose. Like If you're not a follower of Jesus and you don't have hope, you've come to the right place. Because, man, this is where you're going to get that hope. You're, you're not going to get it at work. Some of you, you're not going to get it at home. You're desperately needing to know, is, is it gonna get, life going to get any better? I can tell you it does through the power and the resurrected Christ. It does. You've come to a place of healing. Healing for your soul. We lift people up so their souls can be healed. If you need peace, this world is not going to dish out peace for you. You can't find peace in the workplace. You can't sometimes even find peace at home. Even at home, or even with the people who know you intimately, they don't know intimately that inside you have so much turmoil. You have no peace. But those of us who are followers of Jesus, like we know when that peace is not there, do we not know? We know where to go get it, do we not? We know, man, I can go to the foot of the cross, I can go to Jesus, and he's going to fill me full of a peace that passeth all understanding. He's given us a purpose for our lives. If your life is wandering aimlessly, you've come to the right place. We are a people who lift people up and help you to find your purpose. This is, this is what Easter is all about. Next Sunday, we're going to gather to celebrate the resurrected Savior, our Lord, risen from the dead, your soul can be revived because Jesus was revived, because he's the only one in human history that revived himself. He came up out of that grave so that your soul could be revived. This is why we're getting amped up and ready for Easter. This is why we have all these invite cards. You sat down on the chair, and, and you're like, what? And you, and you move that invite card over to the side so you can sit down. Listen, that is not just a, a tool so that we fill seats. That is for people that are far from God. That is for people who are broken. That is for people who have no hope. That is for people who need to be lifted up. That's why we have door hangers, because I know, like you do, I have neighbors, and they don't know Jesus. And they're without hope. And they, they may act, play the game, act the game. Whoa, Brad, what's up? I mean, they may act all that, but I know, because I've been there. And I know what it's like to be lying to myself like everything's okay when it's not. And I want to be there for my neighbor, not to point a finger, but I want to be there for my neighbor to lift them up to say there's hope for you. That's why we do door hangers. That's why we do invite cards. That's why we're doing an Easter offering. We're doing an Easter offering next week, and our goal in that offering is to raise $5,000, and the majority of that is going to go for outreach in our community so that we can spread the hope of Jesus 
You know, we've seen 10 people so far, just this year, 10 people make a commitment to follow Jesus. Nine people have been baptized. We've got three or four next week that are going to be baptized. We've had over 100 people come through our doors and hear the gospel. 100 people came through our doors for the very first time, and they heard the gospel. How awesome is that? This church is alive. This church is not dead. This church is alive with the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. So now let me talk to those of you again who are followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, Brad, I I want that passion. I don't have it. I, I used to love reading the word. I used to love every morning opening up the word and I... I just, I, just, I just haven't been able to get it going, and my fire is just, just not, what, what do I do? What, what do I do? Well, let me help you with that. Let me give you just something here that I think is going to help you, just some practical things. Verse 11, I think we find some answers here. After Eutychus was raised from the dead, it says, Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn. And then he left. Did you catch? I mean, these people, they worship together. I mean, that is such a parental move. Uh, you're okay. We're going back to worship, okay? I mean, that's a, some of y'all have done that with the kids' ministry. You're like, yeah, he fell down. Your son is crying. We called your number. He's fine. I don't need to go. I'm staying in the service. Oh, come on. I know you've done it. Okay, so they're excited, though. They go back upstairs, and they're worshiping God, not for five hours till midnight. Did you catch that? They did it till dawn. I... I'm not keeping you here till dawn, but 12 hours. These are people that are excited. Like they understand the value of worshiping together. Listen, if you've forgotten why we gather, let me tell you why we gather. We gather for our, our own encouragement, but we gather for the encouragement of others around us. When you come into a worship experience and you're like, you know what? I can stay out in the hall, a couple more songs. You come into the house of God. Because there's people in here that need you by them. You know why we we push everybody forward and push everybody together? Because here's what I believe. No one should sit alone. No one should sit alone. So if if you get upset, you're like, I just don't like this. They put them ropes up and they just crowd us all in together. Nobody's going to sit alone here. I don't don't like it. I I don't like looking out and seeing people sitting alone. Man, I want you to know this is a place where you can come in together. And what happens is, listen, you get up and you start raising your hands in worship. You, you know, you ever just like, you just don't feel it, but you just raise them anyway. And just like, I'm just going to cry. And then something happens, is it not? Like suddenly your soul just starts coming alive. Well, here's what happens at the same time. Somebody around you, probably a couple rows behind you, they have no ability to raise their hands because they're so tired. Their soul is so worn down that they're just like, I just can't but they see you. They see you worshiping. I want that. I want that. And suddenly their soul starts to come to life all because you worshiped. All because you raised your hands in worship. You know, like I mentioned this last week, but you know, people give me a hard time because I make y'all turn and talk to each other. And some of y'all are like, I just say every time he makes me do that. I just don't want to do that. Three people this week? Are you kidding me? I can't. I mean, you but, but I, the reason I do that is because, I'll say it again, the same thing I said last week, because you need to hear encouragement from one another, not just this platform, not just this stage. You have no idea when you're encouraging somebody, when you turn to somebody and you say, hey, get away from the window, 
You got somebody right now that you have no idea. They're on the edge. They're about to go out the window. They're about to give up on God. And you said to them, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you give up on God. You're like, I didn't say that. I just said, don't go near the window. That's all I said. (laughs) But what they heard in their soul was the Holy Spirit speaking through you as a believer and speaking hope over them. So we gather for worship. It also says that they ate together, that they, they supported one another. I, I, I love this. They ate together. You know, we, you, you got to get into a relationship space. You got to rub shoulders with people because you need support. You need to know people care about you. You need to be encouraged. And, and the way you get that encouragement is being across the table from people. We have three different relationship spaces. I, it doesn't matter which one you get in. Just find one. Wednesday night, core community was off the chain. It was amazing, was it not? Those of you that were there, was it not great? It was incredible. Like, we gathered and ate together and, man, praying for one another. That was so powerful to pray for one another. Some of you are going to be in a group tonight. How many are going to group tonight? Raise your hand. You going to go into group tonight? Okay. Yeah. You're going to group tonight. Dennis, you're going to group tonight? Dennis is going to be a group tonight. You need people, don't you? I mean, isn't that true? You need, you need other brothers. You need men. You need people along your side, side you that encourage you, that, that lift you up. I mean, that, that's what we need. I mean, we got to have people like that in our lives that are there for us. We have core circles, this men and women gathering in, uh, men gathering together, women gathering together in small circles of three or four. Uh, many of you know that's what I, I'm in a circle. That's, I love this group of men that I gather with where we hold each other accountable and we share openly and honestly and transparent. It's brutal at times, but it is so encouraging. Get into a relationship space because what happens is we begin to speak over one another and just the sheer uh, presence of other people causes your soul to be awakened. And one other thing they did is they took the Lord's Supper together. They, they took communion. In other words, they reminded themselves of the joy of their salvation. Here in a moment, we're going to receive communion. We do this weekly, and the reason we do this is because we have got to be reminded of where we were and how far God has brought us. There is not a time, not a single time, that I don't go to that table and take that bread and put it into that cup and not recognize how broken I was, how far from God I was. Man, a sinner not deserving of mercy. And God, in his mercy and compassion, he he did that for me. Man, I was lost. People who would have known me, they thought, man, no, Brad, he's, he's just got it. He knows what he's doing, man. He, he's, Brad, he's just, he's just got it, man. This is cool. They had no idea how lost I was. But man, God came to me and he pulled me out of my, just out of the darkness and out of my confusion and my doubt and he just gave me a home. And that's why we come to the table, to remember. When you come to the table, it revives your soul. So we're going to do that here in just a moment. I just want to encourage you. Move away from the window. Let God revive your soul today.